Shut up and sit down. All right, what's up, party peeps? It's Friday night. It's your pal Jimmy Rhodes here, the uh, resident idiot on Facebook because I post fake information. <laughs> no, I don't, actually. Um, this is the brand new Sorry About Your Feelings show. Um, I am here tonight with Kasinia Kanazeva. She's a healer, an author, an activist, an entrepreneur, and a model. So, Ksenia, and I'm so glad you gave me the phonetic spelling of your name, because I was trying to say it after you told me on the phone the other day, and I was, like, freaking out. So, thanks. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I uh, I had a bouncer once say it looks like uh, it gives him dyslexia. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I almost got dyslexia from reading that off my text message right there. So... <laughs> Thanks for being my my inaugural guest on this show. Um, you just met the producer Tim. Uh, he's a really good friend of mine, and he offered this show to me. Uh, we did a, we did a podcast a few weeks back. Uh, another uh, woman friend of his, uh, her name is Leslie, and him and I, and it was like just straight conspiracy theory shows. And like three days later, he texted me. He's like, "Hey, you want your own show?" And I was like, "Okay." I mean, so so uh, to get pretty much down to it. Tell the world um, a little bit about yourself. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy, for having me on. Thank you, Tim. Uh, this is really exciting. I um, I think it's really important for us to have these um, these conversations right now. A lot of things are changing. A lot of things are being revealed. So the more that we can share this information, the better. Um, my name is Ksenia Knezeva. I was born in Russia. I lived there till I was eight. I was born in a country that no longer exists, the USSR, born in the USSR. You literally were born in the USSR. That's amazing. I, I know. Was a, just a little guy, little guy whenever that was still a, a place. I know. It's, it's so interesting. You know, a lot of people are really, really against communism and against socialism. And that word has, you know, has been perverted to mean something completely different. And, and even the USSR didn't actually create communism or socialism it's just um, anything from the top down cannot visit like feasibly be, des be described as socialism socialism is the people uniting the people coming right. together deciding so explain so a little bit about that Ksenia yeah we haven't seen it on this planet so yeah explain yeah. a little bit about that so having come from Russia in the USSR because yeah. obviously like when we talked the other day on the phone you know like we kind of talked a, a little bit about politics and like the socialism <laughs> aspect that's yeah. going on with the left if you will um versus the right the conservative side here what what exactly you said something really interesting to me I, I have to just kind of preface this with this is like you're like i support donald trump and i'm a socialist and i thought that was like <laughs> i mean you know so and we laughed about it then and i'm laughing about it now but explain to people kind of you know what does that mean i'm a socialist but i support donald trump well, I, you know, the, oh, who was it that said, um, I think Winston Churchill said Russia is um, a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. And I kind of feel like that in my own self. I'm, I'm so dichotomous. I, right. I really, coming from, you know, the USSR, um, I've seen a completely different way of being. I've seen a completely different way of living. And it's so demonized here, but people don't really have real information. I mean, you know better than anyone how much everything is propagandized for the benefit of the few. And that includes here about 
quote unquote communism and quote unquote socialism. And, and, and I just have to say that we haven't actually seen communism and socialism. I think it requires a certain amount of development and an awakening in humanity for us to realize, look, like, let's just come together and let's live and, 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 and breathe and be happy. And, you know, the, I'm also a hippie. So I, the, so harmony for us to live here, why must we pay rent to live on this planet? Why must we just, you know, so I, I supported Bernie Sanders. I worked for the Democrats for, you know, 10 years. Um, I was a finance director for congressional campaigns, was trained by the DCCC and Emily's List, um, was really gung-ho on um, really promoting what I thought was um, the better way of, of living and being. But I, you know, ever since COVID broke out, I just have never, I haven't seen such visceral hatred in a population. And that's really what turned me away from the left. And anytime I see someone labeled, anytime I see someone bullied, um, which I think in some ways the left is doing to Donald Trump, my, my hackles rise. You know, I, I was, I remember I was one of the only people in my high school in St. George, Utah to question the Iraq war. And the same type of feeling, the same kind of unease. Are you talking about the original Gulf War conflict? In, oh, um, during the no, first the, Bush administration. Yeah, no, no, no. The um, the second. The second. So, okay, gotcha. I was in, um, in high school, I think, um, and so it was. Uh, I, I still I feel the same way. I feel like the, the pieces don't fit. Things don't make sense. I was, you know, questioning nine eleven way back then too, um, and you know, I just I just see that the left um, has become really cult-like, really cliquish, and full of hate and full of fear. And as a natural healer, I know that fear will bring on disease quicker than anything. And all I see is this promotion of COVID and everything that's going on right now and couched in this like terrifying rubric that um, I think is really, really harmful to our health and our mental health, especially in them. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so having said that, like a couple points that you that you just made, because um, this that's very interesting. So you feel that that this liberal idea right now in America has become cult like. It's it's interesting that you use that term to me. So yeah, well, you know, anytime you know, we're supposed to be a party for the people, we're supposed to be a party of love and unity and whatever else it's you know promoted, and yet. Ever since I started questioning COVID, just posting scientific articles, posting some things that I question because, you know, I left the Mormon church for the same reason. If one thing doesn't make sense, the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. Gotcha. So, um, and I, I mean, I've been called crazy, take your meds, get off social media and find <sighs> a thing. You know, like so, so much of, I, I don't understand why questioning somehow makes someone mentally ill. When aren't we... Isn't that what life is about? It's to always ask the most important question. Why? Right. Why am I? Why is, you know, what, why do I exist? Is, doesn't that fall under like existentialism? <laughs> yeah. That, and, I'm, okay. and so, so that's a big question for me is, you know, what, it's not so much like, what can I do for this earth? But why, why must, why do I believe that we can do better? I understand. I'm the same way. I, I, I do the why thing a lot, and I understand yeah. where you're coming from. I've been attacked the same way. You know, that's fake. That's false. I'm like, no, this is yeah. like public information, and you have yeah. the same access to it that I have. You just choose to view it differently. I well, for instance, to, to, to further that 
little point that I just made is, for instance, like we can all agree that this peaceful protesting has become much more than that. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of, you know, criminal activity, um, you know, and I'm by no means a fan of the cops, you know, at, at any point in time. That's just a personal thing. However, in a, you know, a functioning civilized society, they have a place. I mean, you know, I think most rational adults can agree on that. So, you know, again, I'm very drawn to that word that you use cult like, you know, that just especially in reference to, you know, that side of things. And the other point I wanted to bring up is like you mentioned the way that they've been attacking the orange man, old Mr. Donald Trump. Um, what specifically about that bothers you as, you know, coming from that side you know, like politically, obviously, as you stated, you've worked, you know, for these campaigns and supported Bernie Sanders. But now you support the orange man, the bad orange man, you know, the dictator in chief, as a lot of people call him. What what things draw you to that besides, you know, them just picking on him and everything he, he says, you know, gets demonized? Yeah. And and let me be clear. I mean, I think both parties suck. I <laughs> think lot of um, corruption in our government. I'm in favor of just wiping the whole blank, you know, slate clean, firing everyone, starting fresh, rethinking the whole concept. Um, but what I do like about Donald Trump is that, um, you know, I think I think he's given he's not given a very fair shot. You know, he's he's constantly demeaned. He's constantly made fun of. He's constantly poked fun of for his appearance. And that doesn't sit well with me, you know, as as a hippie liberal who like, you know, we love all each other, everyone. And let's, you know, sing in a circle kumbaya. And <laughs> that, that just hurts my heart. You know, it's a really tough job. And it hurt my heart when people were against Obama. And I and I and I question Obama. And I think that what he did, you know, getting us dropping more drone bombs than anyone that is doesn't sit well with the hypocrisy it just it just demonstrates a hypocrisy that I, that's kind of led me away from the democratic party if you say one thing then do it correct so, you know and so the, all this labeling and and coming from um you know a healer background i know that labeling is a cognitive distortion it's a sign of a very um diseased mind that can be changed when we change our rhetoric but labeling anyone as racist as as um ugly or you know whatever whatever they i don't even listen to the the news on 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 trump anymore one of the phobic it, words yeah it's loaded words and you know you can question him on on his policy you can question him on what he's doing don't don't necessarily label a whole entire person and write him off just because you hate him so viscerally and that hate doesn't sit well with me you know there are things that i really respect he from the get-go, he got us out of the TPP, which I think was a complete shackling that would promote the corporatocracy's, you know, hold over the globe even further. He um, he signed one of the largest wilderness protection bills of the decade. He um, increased funding to black colleges by 17%. He's um, making a task force to finally study the missing ind um, indigenous women um, phenomenon. And I worked in human trafficking in 2010 in Montana and we heard about these girls disappearing off these Native American reservations to supply sex labor for the oil workers in Eastern Montana and in the Dakotas. So it's, wow. it's been going 
long time. Um, it's a problem. I mean, human trafficking is something that really just hurts my heart and that I want to fight for and I have fought for. And so I really do respect what he is doing right now. I, I read that he has um, locked up more human traffickers and has gone after more of these heinous, heinous crimes um, than Obama did in eight years, in right. just one year. And so I really, really respect that. There are things I don't like. Of course, and we can criticize people's policies and we can criticize and hold them accountable. And I hold my own Democrats accountable for a long time. I am now no longer a Democrat. I'm not necessarily Republican. I'm just like my own Xenia, who's like, fuck all of you in many respects. And let's just like, let's just be better. We can all do better. We can all come together. And I marched, you know, I went out. Um, with Utah Business Revival, which is this um, group that started up here in Utah to um, questioning COVID and, and, and they had a rally to open up, um, to open businesses and to keep our economy going. And as um, I have a master's in, in international development economics, and so I've studied the impact of our economy and as a mental health, um, you know, advocate, I know how much, especially for men, how economic ruin can lead to a whole host of, of mental health issues, including suicide from the farmers in India who would drink their own pesticides during, you know, a, a season of drought to, I think, a lot of the men that are, um, we're seeing a huge spike in suicides and that's really concerning. What so, other um, health concerns are there besides the suicide? Yeah. And with the, so basically what you're saying is that Due to economic factors, you know, and yeah. obviously the plummeting of people's economic status, their their money that they earn. Mm -hmm. um, what else is tied into that? Is is and you you mentioned men specifically, yeah. which is very curious. Is mm -hmm. is there a well? First, first, my first question would be this: What other health issues would be related to that with the male demographic besides the suicide? Well, we still live in a society that is like gender striated in a lot of ways. Men are expected to provide financially for their babies and for their children and for their families. And there's still a lot of that in our society. So when men lose their jobs, I think they take it especially hard because it's it's a self-worth issue. They can't feed their children. So they they lose respect for themselves and they would just, you know, they feel like they would be better off not here if they can't even do that one essential masculine you know um role right. or whatever so um in studying you know feminist economics i studied the breadwinner bias and in central asia i interviewed um landless women and, and women who had transitioned out of communism and into this very privatized system and how they were completely ostracized from um owning and you know land primarily because of the breadwinner bias the men own the land the men you know make, do make the finance this decision. was in china this was in Central Asia, Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan. Oh, in Kyrgyzstan and, and Kazakhstan specifically? Kyrgyzstan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and okay. Almaty. Yeah. Um, back to your question, the other health concerns specifically for men, I think um, we're he's seeing a huge spike in alcoholism. Okay. We're seeing a spike, I think, in opioid use. We're seeing a huge spike in, um, you know, I think even in violence. And what's interesting to me is um, I also went in, um, to Cairo three months after the revolution. Um, to interview the poorest um, of the poor, the Zabalin, for a master's paper that I was writing. What year was this? Technological, 2011. Okay. It was called their Facebook Revolution, and um, and um, 
what was interesting about that is is Mubarak kind of shot himself in the face. He he um, he developed um, the economy enough so that there was this you know lag in the death rate and the birth rate was still increasing until people realized oh people aren't dying as quickly so let's have fewer children. So there always becomes this bubble, and then the economy can't often keep up. And so there, um, anytime there's a revolution, there's always a lot of unemployed young men who have, get angsty and you know and they they take the system down. And so, and as especially educated young men. So he had a, a high educated population. He promoted um, this access to technology. That's why it was called the Facebook revolution because they had access to Facebook. And so um, I see a lot of things going on here is unemployment is creating um, a lot of, I think the civil unrest um, amongst the youth, the young men, you know, when you see, like, we see it in um, football games and all over the world, whether it's football, you know, soccer yeah, or soccer. So <clears throat> where men, you know, they lose and there's a bunch of men all in a group and then they just like burn shit down. <laughs> and so right now, I think a lot of the economic woes and the, the pressures that men, young men face, you know, they have this economy where they can't get jobs and they're, like they're losing, you know, it's it's really hard for them. And so I think BLM is a big response to that. I think it's going to get even worse. Um, the rioting on the streets will get worse. Um, and I marched, I want to be honest, I did march with BLM early in the days. Um, and then I realized, you know, I think there's, I, I do preach love and I do preach, um, you know, that we can come together and solve all sorts of issues if we just unite together. So all this anger um, doesn't seem productive to me. I think it ostracizes people, especially uh, white men from you know having them not be included in the conversation i think really makes you know anytime you push someone away they're going to come back with you know what you resist persists so anger meets meets and breeds hate meets and breeds hate and so i i think there's a way i mean i when i was at that rally for for um utah business revival to try to keep our economy going there was the democrats that were saying oh if you really believe in this take off your mask and cough on them and saying every I, I hope every one of you dies and all this stuff just because I I cared about the the children going to bed hungry when one-fourth of our children are already food insecure and now they don't have access to a school lunch which is often in the very very poor their only meal of the day so I was like I came from it from a very a place of a lot of love and a place of a lot of concern as an economist and I was just there's all this hatred on me for gathering in a group and standing up for our rights. But then when I went and marched with BLM, I was a hero and my video got shared so many times, but it's still, you know, I, I feel very, very bad for the black men that are being shot. And I do know that the numbers do say that they are shot at disproportional rates. And I believe that that is as big of a part of a fault of the Democrats as it is the Republicans. It's, you know, Biden signed the crime bill and Kamala, Kamala Harris upheld it so many times when she was in office. And they're responsible for a lot of these black men that are locked up for a lot of the stop and frisk policies, a lot of this, um, you know, very, very racist tendencies. And I would like the Democrats to come to Jesus and to be like, yeah, we have fucked up. Yeah, we can be better. Same with the Republicans. Yeah, we have fucked up. Yeah, we can be better. Let's all be better together. And let's just wipe the slate clean. Just fire them all and do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy for president. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, we might run into some issues with, with that. I don't even think I could be the a city councilman here in Boise. So that's, I've, that's very I've interesting. Say, be, by any Democrat can't be hired by any corporation, but there's a liberation <laughs> too, right? Right. <laughs> so let me ask you this then. So, so, so you've talked about this quite a bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we, I wanted to ask you about the, the women actually, Let's let me back up just just real quick, because how has this economic turmoil affected women and specifically in America? I mean, obviously, you can draw off experiences from, you know, from Asia, you know, which is where you're from. And you can draw off experiences from going to Africa as well. And you can draw on these different experiences. But tell tell me and tell everybody, you know, what but and be specific. Please be specific to America. Um for the purpose of this question what issues are the women facing with this economic turmoil yeah well i think um you know all over the world and in in the united states also um there is a tendency for women to absorb the caring labor so um and that includes you know um the bulk of the child care the bulk of the elder care the bulk of um uh Lost you there for a second. Um, the bulk of a, a um, you know, the the household chores and things like that. Um, and then you know the men they they provide financially and whatever. It's completely different. And I'm talking about it just from you know a feminist economic standpoint. So um, so here I think when the schools were shut down, I think women really really um, bore it hard. No, no, uh, I can hear you. Oh, you can. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, because now suddenly they, they have to be teachers now too. And, and I think, um, the role of a mother and the role of a teacher are completely different. I think children are not (laughs) going to follow, you know, their, their mother's like dictation about sit down, sit in your seat, do your homework. So, um, I think, I think it has been really hard for moms to, to juggle it all. And a lot of them are working from home as well. So there is a big, and the childcare is shut down and daycares are shut down and there's no more play dates where, you know, women can share and take care of watching the kids. So we have become this like even more nuclearized. And I think that's why there are so much um, more pressure. And that's why we're seeing domestic violence on the increase all over the nation. Um, we're seeing, you know, the suicides in men, but there's there's also a lot of anger in men from feeling this helplessness, feeling this um, not being able to provide for their family. And so I think that makes makes men break a, lot of, a little bit easier. And so there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more just violence in general. It's a, It's a lot of stress. Stress on the family, stress on the children. Um, it's sad. It's sad. It's got to stop, man. It's we are doing permanent damage to our societal fabric. We're doing permanent damage to our mental health, to our oxygen intake, on our respiratory systems, to our, you know, to our children. I saw children sitting in a lunchroom, and you know, 
with like two children onto this big table, not even able to speak to each other. I mean, these are, they're getting their social cues at a young age. They're learning how to be social animals and how to interact. They learn through play. I was a preschool teacher in Costa Rica and, and play, like we played every single day. We made up games and we played and my children had by far the largest gains in English because I was teaching English to a variety, wide variety of kids. You know, some kids spoke zero, some kids spoke French, some kids spoke Spanish, whatever. Um, so you know, like they have to interact. So I think it's just, it's fucking insane, man. I understand. So you speak Spanish? Yeah, I speak Spanish, French, and Russian. Yeah, I can't even talk now. ¿Hablas español? Claro, mi amor. Oh, sí. Yo soy Puerto Riqueño. Ah, ¿verdad? Sí, mi mamá. Wow. Sí, sí. Mi mamá es una Puerto Riqueña negra. Puerto Entonces, mi, mi papá es una uh, familia de Alemania. So, my dad's Dutch German, and then my mother's, she's black Puerto Rican. And I have an uncle that lives in Poughkeepsie. Apparently, he did Ancestry.com, and some of our family goes to the country of India. Some of our family goes to the country of Somalia. Wow. Uh, yeah. So there's there's a pretty wide range in there. So it's it's funny to me. Like I think I may have told you this. Like I may I can post stuff on you know social media, and I've gotten the comment of "Whoa, what would you know? You're white." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I am half." I mean, you know, like, but so I I found that interesting what you just said. So the, about the teachers and the the mothers uh, mm -hmm. dichotomy because my mother was a teacher, so. Mm. <laughs> So at home it was, you know, it was teacher mom and then it, you know, she was, she was a teacher. So, and like my, my grandmother was a teacher. My sister-in-law is a teacher. My cousin's a teacher. My aunt is a teacher. Uh, my mom's retired now, but, uh, so I, I have a lot of teachers in the family. So and look, I, you're doing a podcast. This is teaching. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I kind of understand that. Do you think, and to touch on that point, do you think that, you know, since the the topic, you know, we've been addressing is the economic turmoil that we're in, do you think with the these issues that men are having and then these issues that women are having, you know, you mentioned the alcoholism. Do you think that, you know, a lot of men and women have been driven to, you know, and, and I hate to use that term because it is a choice. Mm -hmm. But do you think a lot of the drinking has been derived, I guess would be a better term, from this economic turmoil that's then now leading to these other issues such as domestic violence? Oh, of course. I'm drinking more. You know? Are you? Yeah. And I, I rarely drink, you know, and so I'm drinking more. And um, I think it's I think it's natural for us in a state of of intense stress, you know, we are in the place of complete unknowing. We're in a place where we've never been before. Um, and it's, and all of this fear is exacerbated by the, the media industrial complex and, and even the medical industrial complex and all of this like rhetoric of like fear, look at these case numbers. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And yeah. so we think tomorrow, so eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Right. Right. So, so in a sense, but also it just makes us feel a little bit better and momentarily, you know, and, and, and I know that the long-term effects of, of drinking habitually do are a depressant, you know, alcohol is a depressant. So, Correct. so we 
darker as a result, even though it's very natural for everyone to reach for something, whatever that may be, in times where you might need it, you know. And I preach to my clients, just be gentle with yourself, little one. Like, if you really need this alcohol um, or the cigarette or whatever it is, just say, hey, you know, thank you for helping me get through today. Help me. Thank you for, for helping me wake up and face this this new paradigm, this new normal, and maybe keep one foot going in front of the other. And I think that instead of looking at it as like, oh, I hate that I'm drinking. Oh, why can't I stop these cancer sticks? Like having that gentleness with yourself and that forgiveness for yourself for just doing the best you can as we all are is actually um, can severe that connection to these, you know, these substances that can so to the vices so okay so that brings me to the next thing i wanted to ask you so your role as a healer mm-hmm. um i i can identify so I, as i told you you know like i'm a fitness guy i've been running my own training business for a long time um over a decade now and uh the thing i teach my clients is about nutrition and the importance of exercise you know sunlight like if you read some yeah. of the things that i do online i'm always like go outside go lift some weights <gasps> You know, eat some food, like hang out, like have fun, talk to people, give hugs, handshakes, right? What is, what is your role as a healer um, as far as, and you mentioned you have clients. So explain to everybody kind of, you know, not even kind of, but explain to everybody, you know, exactly what it is that you do and where you're coming from as far as going to heal people. Yeah. Well, um. My great-grandmother was a healer. So when uh, Stalin repressed my my great-grandfather and he disappeared in the middle of the night, the only reason my family wasn't sent to the gulags to spend, you know, eternity in indentured servitude was because she was an integral part of the village. So for generations, all this information has been passed down through oratory, through example, to the women in my family. So um, when I got cancer and was diagnosed with cancer at 26, cervical cancer, um, and the, my doctor scheduled emergency surgery. I was in Brussels studying at the time. I was very scared. Um, They wanted to take out half my cervix. And I called my grandmother, my nanya, and I asked her, you know, should I do this? This was the day before. I'd been agonizing doing research online for that week. Um, And she said, absolutely not. Do not get surgery. You cannot grow back a piece of your body. Take this and this and this instead. And so um, I took everything she advised on me. Like I called, I called and canceled the surgery the day before. And um, I I just decided to do an experiment. And um, so for five months, I completely changed my diet. I went mostly vegan raw. I did a lot of juicing. I took a lot of supplements um, that she advised um, me to take and also things that I found online. I kind of used my body as a guinea pig to try anything that I, I that seemed um, reputable or that resonated with me that I found in the interwebs and um, read a lot of books and meditated and, and exercised joyfully outside and um, and did a lot of, um, you know, that was just my full-time job, was really, really concentrating on the healing. Within five months, it completely was gone. Um, and my HPV disappeared, wow. uh, which is incredible. And this is also why I'm, um, you know, not to get back into politics, but I'm, I'm really against vaccines because I had just gotten the Gardasil shot right before I went to Europe to study. And so I had a completely clean pap. Everything was great. Got the Gardasil shot, then went to um, Europe. And then by 
you know, Can the I next... stop you for just one second? Can you yeah. explain to people that's I, that's fantastic you brought this up. Yeah. Can you explain to people because I have a hard time explaining this to people, even though I can explain it just fine. Yeah. What Gardasil is? To, can you explain that to people, please? Yeah. Well, purportedly, it's a shot to prevent HPV, and HPV causes cervical cancer. And um, but the thing is, is you know, I've always had a history of clean paps. Suddenly, I get these shots. I'm a healthy 26 year old female that always has concentrated on her health, eats well, um, and exercises. And suddenly, I have cervical cancer. And it's such a virulent, quick spreading that they schedule emergency surgery within a week of the biopsy and the results. So, um, you know, to me, that just didn't seem, that just seemed odd. And then the more I researched, the more I realized, you know, how caustic and how dangerous some of these vaccines are. And then my mom shared with me that she forged my paperwork in Russia. So I never actually got my shots when I was little because I was two months premature and she was afraid for me. And she's always listens to her intuition. We have that. They do yeah. vaccinations to the youth in Russia? Uh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I yeah. didn't know that. I don't, not as many as it is here. Gotcha. It's definitely not. There are, you know, just the few, you know, the MMR and the rubella and those kinds of things. Okay. Um, very much a global thing. And um, and so that's that's also what's my, my concern about COVID is if we're all the only way that they're they're thinking that this this is going to end is through the, the eyes, the, you know, through an injection that terrifies me because, you know, as a Democrat, my body, my choice, um, I will probably never get up an abortion, but I can't fault a woman for doing whatever the fuck she wants. Um it's 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 not my business and but also it's not my government's business to force me to and undergo any sort of medical procedure against my will my body my choice i've been in psychiatric wards where they inject me against my will with these narcotics where i lose a, a day of my life that is not okay so i think there is a medical industrial complex that is profiting handsomely off of promoting this pandemic in this way because and I don't understand why for millennia we've used herd immunity to bolster our health and our immunity in a way that we don't catch these, these diseases anymore. If you look at all of the maps of when these vaccines were introduced for polio, for mumps, for all these different things, they were the deaths were already had already been dropping precipitously, primarily from the implementation of better hygiene and sanitation systems. So if you look at places where polio is still an outbreak, it's places that don't have clean running water, don't have good sanitation, don't have good hygiene. Tuberculosis. So, exactly with TB too. So I don't understand why we're not focusing on these very, very simple, very cost-effective, very cheap measures of bringing wells and clean water to the developing world and instead forcing them to undergo these toxic injections where, you know, Bill Gates is vaccine, I think it was the Gardasil vaccine in India, led to half a million girls to be permanently damaged. So explain explain exactly what Gardasil is, though. Like, I, I want people to hear this because well, it's very important. Yes. I mean, Gardasil is what people don't know it is, is much more important than even what they say it is. There you because go. Because the, the, the chemical toxic adjuvants that are in these vaccines that are completely toxic. We are not meant to be injected with aluminum straight into our blood system where aluminum crosses the blood-brain barrier, which is why people with Alzheimer's have toxic levels of aluminum in their brain. 
people with autism have toxic level of aluminum in their brain, the mercury that's in the flu vaccine. Did you know that if you get a flu vaccine, there was a military study that was commissioned. If you get a flu vaccine, you're 36% more likely to get COVID. And now they're mandating the flu vaccine under not even going to school. In Massachusetts, so, they just passed that. Yeah, some science is seen as, you know, the harbinger of truth and from God and other science is completely demonized. I mean, if you believe in science, you got to believe in all science. And, you know, the, the, the woman who led the New England Journal of Medicine said, without a doubt, it is no longer possible. It is no longer, what does she say? You, one cannot no longer believe in anything coming out of our medical system today. And I do not come to this conclusion likely, but over two decades of running the New England Journal of Medicine. It, she said, it is so corrupt how much, you know, big pharma and this medical industrial complex controls what is even study what is even promoted what is even put out there are is flawed science everywhere that is being paid for so if it's as easy to buy a politician and in fine i was in political finance i know how easy it is to buy a politician i was talk about how you know in my travels being in venezuela i love how corruption is available to the poorest and the richest you know you can bribe a police officer for being pulled over but here only available very rich and it's called campaign finance and you know if it's that easy to buy a politician it's that easy to buy a doctor it's that easy to buy a scientist well so, you know this about the big pharma here in the states um actually learned this uh when i was really young i worked at the uh, this car wash and uh mm -hmm. so i would sell car washes to people that's how i started at this place and we had a drug rep that would come in and this is probably 2002 2003 so i was like 22 23 years old and uh, she was a drug rep for one of the big companies. And she flat out told me, I forget her name now. I mean, this is so long ago. Uh, she flat out told me that, you know, and, and this is information that, that also I've known about. Like, I was a Ritalin kid. So, like, for instance, you know, in the 80s, you know, now it's Adderall, which I always tell the kids now. I was like, that's some pussy shit. Take some Ritalin, dude. Like, you know, like, because that's that it's 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 methylphenidate. Yeah, totally. <laughs> High five that. Right. So what people don't realize is what Ritalin was, was it's methylphenidate, which is cocaine. Yeah. And then they mix it with pharmaceutical grade amphetamine. So. What was going on is is that these doctors is what this drug rep told me, and I mean this was like you know for like shit like Viagra and shit for whatever the cholesterol drug is and stuff like that, that they're getting kickbacks from the drug companies, the doctors themselves, for mm -hmm. prescribing this stuff to people. So you know after looking into this stuff because you know I'm a nerd, you know like whatever I read a lot and, and this and that, I found that you know like. Companies like Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, to name like the big two, they're like forty billion plus a year in profits. Yes, right. There is bigger racket yeah. than our medical system as it is in the United States. Half of all people with cancer fucking go bankrupt. Imagine right. working your entire and losing half of it and gift gifting it to the fucking big pharma. Just right. like take it. Yeah. Fuck me, ass. Like. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. That's funny. But so check this out. So then it comes to find out, you know, I um, like I think I told you on the phone the other day, like I read a lot of David Icke, 
material. Yeah. The British guy, the lizard people guy, the dude that was Jesus. And, you know, everybody talks shit about this guy. Well, turns out he's been right about, like, pretty much everything. Love this guy. Uh, one of the biggest things that they've been doing over the years, and I, I, I have my own reservations about this. I'm trying to leave, you know, like, my personal opinions out of this as much as possible. But my, my one reservation about, like, the Ritalin thing, like, when I was a kid in the 80s, is that the schools are getting kickbacks from the drug companies for prescri- in the late 90s when I graduated high school went to college it was like uh what was the the antidepressant med um Prozac Yes Prozac that that was when that came out but they were already doing the kickbacks for the schools with the Ritalin you know and then in the late 90s then all the antidepressants started coming out and then the early 2000s the kids it's the Adderall and the ADD became ADHD Right. They added a letter, you know, one of the symptoms, hyperactivity is now part of the title. And what has happened is they're giving these schools kickbacks. So these schools are diagnosing all sorts of kids. And, you know, as a healer, you probably know this. A lot of people don't realize this, but your body's functioning systems don't fully develop, especially in boys. We develop less, you know, less fat or more slowly than than girls. But our systems don't fully develop until we're like seven or eight years old, right? So if you think about the assault that we get on our, our systems, our immune systems here, it's the vaccines when we're babies, right? Yeah. Before anything's developed. And yeah. then I got started on Dexedrine at the age of four. And then at the age, that was preschool. And then at the age of five, they put me on Ritalin. Now, I can tell you something a bit personal about myself. By the time I was 18 years old, I had a really bad drug problem. Um, you know, Worse. That's, that's how I found. Work turned you into a drug addict. Basically. As, as a yeah. yeah. That's how I found fitness. That's what got me out of that funk. But my point being is, is it, and I'm not blaming that because I made the choices that I made. I mean, it was up to me 100%. But what I'm saying is, is, is that when I first got introduced to drugs, especially uppers, you know, at that age, I, I stopped taking Ritalin when I was 13. I basically told my family, like, I'm not taking this shit anymore. I didn't like how I felt. And, it, you know, I was basically like a tweaker, a legal one. And just the classic symptoms, couldn't sleep, didn't eat, skinny, you know. Uh, like, I had really bad acne when I was a teenager. And I stopped taking that stuff. But then, you know, high school and high school kids and, you know, you go to a party and someone's got some Coke or someone's got some something. And before you knew it, like, I was a full-blown drug addict for a couple of years. And, you know, again, I made my own choices, but I I definitely think that, you know, taking those drugs at an early age, those legal drugs, methylphenidate mixed with pharmaceutical-grade amphetamines, right, which is what that is, led to that at some some point. So, yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm so sorry, Jimmy. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) That is not fair. That's why, you know, I do believe in natural healing so fervently as I think it's one of the most revolutionary acts. Primarily, I mean, Big Pharma spends the most money on lobbyists of yes. any, you know, in the United States. So they make money hand over fist. So if you can take your health back, if you're able to have the tools and the knowledge that, hey, you can heal anything imagine how much money you're taking away from these 
you know, and, and I know the cabal profits off this shit. So taking away from the very, very top echelon that, that it makes billions off keeping us fat, sick, and nearly dead. Not quite dead. They want us alive, but miserable. So we don't, you know, rise up against them. Weak. That so we don't rise up against them. Constantly sick, constantly fearful about this diagnosis, that diagnosis. Constantly tethered to these pills and their doctors and their fear. And it is horrible, and it is not true. We do not have to live that way. You know, if I can heal cancer within five months, the first stages of cervical cancer in five months. And this is going to be a good caveat for me to say, FDA, fuck you. Also, I do not profess to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite phrase. I am not a doctor, but I can read. Not a doctor, doctor y'all. I'm simply sharing ways that I've healed myself using natural remedies that I think is possible for everyone. And someone that comes, you know, from the East. I mean, my grandmother was having me like pee in a cup and dunking her finger in there because we use urine therapy. Or if I had an ear infection, she would put a rag on my head, you know, and things that are so free that if, if people knew that they could cure an ear infection with just putting something yucky that comes out of their body on their baby's ear. Imagine, you know, like imagine what else we can heal. So I think, you know, I've healed depression. I have completely stabilized what they call bipolar disorder, which I believe is just a completely different way of thinking and being um, that is, you know, that the the establishment wants to demonize because it is revolutionary. And, um, you know, and I've healed all sorts of issues and ameliorated symptoms and all sorts of friends from giving one supplement of magnesium to my friend who's been crippled by by migraines for 20 years going to doctor after doctor. I mean, imagine if just one supplement and gave her a heavy metal detox, you know, because we are so polluted primarily or we're partly because of all these vaccines, the, the aluminum, the mercury, the, the fetal cells, the, the bovine cells, all of these and dish detergent. Like, you know, when Trump made a joke, like, let's, you know, inject ourselves with detergent. Well, or like whatever he said, I mean, we already do. But that, the, <laughs> didn't he say Clorox or something like bleach huh? or bleach? He never even said that, dude. And the thing about that is as part of my remedy to cure, heal a natural or cervical cancer, I douched with hydrogen peroxide that was diluted so okay. i myself with what did he call it he like a, clen- a cleanser or whatever he called it like disinfectant you know hydrogen peroxide is a disinfectant and i i totally believe because cancer cannot live in an oxygen poor environment you know so the more get oxygen the more you can breathe which is why i think these masks are going to lower our immune systems and our ability to fight the very thing they're trying purport to keep us safe from have you heard about the i can't remember his name uh he was an italian doctor i read about this actually uh in a in a david ike book (laughs) i I reference him a lot because i've read a lot of his work he's an italian doctor and he basically discovered as the story goes and, and and i'm not a doctor either but i did read this information and basically what he said was uh sodium bicarbonate can destroy cancer that cancer isn't actually free radical cells but it's actually candida yeast that grows in the body at at an exponential rate and so sodium bicarbonate actually kills the candida yeast and can take the cancer away and that chemotherapy is actually the wrong approach have you heard anything on that ever 
I mean, chemotherapy is completely the wrong approach. Why would you fight anything with toxic chemicals? No, your body is a miraculous being. It was meant to heal anything. So the more that you can do to bolster your body's immune system and your body's own ability to heal, the better it is. And we are just so fucking toxic. So, and the candida and everything else, the, our food system is so toxic. Everything that, that is going on right now is just makes us ripe for disease. I believe cancer is a vitamin deficiency disease. Actually, I think that's why it's interesting that um, Bill Gates is a, you know, spreading vaccines all over the world, but he's also spreading GMOs all over the world, which you know, not only is, must you spray these you know, Roundup on these crops, on these, you know, these Roundup ready crops that are these GMO crops, but mm -hmm. they also boost the nutritional content of you know, whatever your, whatever that crop is. So we are very nutritionally deficient. And, you know, a lot of people say that you're, if you're way too acidic, um, then, you know, and not enough alkaline, then you'll develop disease. There's a lot of explanations for cancer and there's a lot of ways to heal it. You know, I, I freaking took a million different remedies that I found online and it just, it disappeared. So it's completely possible. And, just and, and a lot of faith too. You know, I believed I could do it, and so the placebo a placebo effect is very, very real. So, do you believe in in? And I've heard this before from several different people, actually. The the whole you know mind over matter thing. Like when it comes to healing the body, um, are you a big proponent of people feeling like you know like putting them basically empowering yourself? Are you a big proponent of that to heal through oh, thought? For sure belief and faith i mean in the christian rubric faith can heal make create miracles and even if you um don't have you know a religion faith just faith alone can do incredible things which is why the placebo effect is so real and why i preach meditation i preach affirmations to my clients the focus the in on the positive of i am this incredible creature and I can do anything I can heal anything I am whole I am healthy I am well and and neuro-linguistic programming techniques cognitive behavioral ter therapy techniques your body listens to what your mind says so if you're constantly saying I'm sick I'm sick I'm sick you're going to be sick you know but if you're saying I'm well I'm well I'm well your body will listen and respond in kind agreed I believe that you are you familiar with Lou Holtz by chance okay so Lou, Lou Holtz was a football coach a college football coach uh, his claim to fame was Notre Dame the college um, and they're where in Indiana I believe I'm not a big mm -hmm. college football guy um, they're in like Indiana or Michigan somewhere in the Midwest there mm -hmm. um, but he was the football coach and he wrote a book a long long time ago and then he he ended up I, I can't remember if he retired this is in like the 90s like when I was playing sports still in high school like organized team sports and stuff uh, he retired, and he ended up going to South Carolina, I think it was, to coach there as well. But he wrote a book one time, and I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. I just remembered about this as you were talking. He wrote this book, and in this book, it was basically like his life story about where he came from and you know how he grew up and this and that. But he had the, the, the one thing that I took away, you know, and 25 years later, I still every day uh, remember this write your goals down and this is something that I practice as well and this this is a personal thing you know f of about myself um, that I have found works very well 
you know, obviously, you know, we're sitting here talking via, because you're in Salt Lake and I'm in Boise. And so we're sitting here talking via Zoom. And I have this wonderful opportunity that you met Tim earlier, the, the producer of this. Um, he's a friend of mine that I met at a concert, you know. Uh, and I was actually there. I And, you know, I'm a musician, so I was actually there with the singer in one of the bands that I'm playing in right now. And that's how I met the guy. And he was like, yeah, I saw you on Facebook. And I was like, cool. And here we are, you know, a year and a half later. Um, but writing goals down. So I have a... a plethora of goals that I have written down over the last, you know, probably seven, eight, nine years. Um, I got, had gotten away from this principle for a long time, but then I would read a Tony Robbins book called Awaken the Giant. Um, and he got me back into that mode from reading that book. Um, how, what's your take on writing goals down and being able to achieve them once you see them in front of you? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, of course. I mean, Napoleon Hill talks about that. Um, a lot in his books and um, what is it, Think and Grow Rich, about how, you know, Carnegie and all the rock, everyone that's really done really, really magnificent things as far as wealth and, and creativity have, you know, always just written things down. They take it out and they constantly reaffirm and it's goal setting. It's also intention setting. So from the woo side, uh, Wayne Dyer talks a lot about the power of intention. Um, a lot of you know, my hippie friends and I, we will have ceremony where we will burn things no longer serving us that we want to get rid of in our life and then write down what we want to welcome into our life, usually in conjunction with a new moon or a full moon. And I love that. I love the ritualized aspect of cons constantly reaffirming and reminding yourself what is important to you because that is a power of suggestion. You will subliminally work harder to achieve those things if you're constant if it's constantly on your mind if it's if it's if you're edified by thinking of your dreams of what you would like to accomplish how you'd like to leave your mark on this world it's very important awesome yeah, yeah that's and again like as you were talking in in the last little segment there you you reminded me of that very well another thing i really took from anthony robbins um the great motivational speaker um very People say what they say about him. I like him. I, I like what he represents. I like his, his methodology. Um, one phrase, what's your take on this phrase? Uh, this is from that book, Awaken the Giant. He says, be firm in your conviction, but be flexible in your approach. So to me, what that means is, is you know, and being in the entertainment business, being in the, the fitness business, they're, they're not easy businesses. Being self-employed, these things are not easy. Um, the approach for me a lot of times is very liquid to you know for the flexible of it my determination it's like i just i don't care like i'm doing it like whatever but you know i found at least just for me to get the things done that i do in my life you know and by no means it's like no great shake you know like we all you know wake up in the morning and you know have to use the toilet and you know we all eat food and we all do laundry and we all have to clean the house and we all have disagreements and we all have this but i found that 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 phrase that simple phrase has really served me well. What's your take on that about being firm in your convictions, but flexible in your approach? Openness, you know, receptivity. Wayne Dyer also says that one of the seven faces of God is being receptive. So being receptive to the opportunities that are presented to you, being receptive to things not going the way you've envisioned. But I, I always think that the universe is always conspiring in our favor. So even if it may not be where you thought you were going to go, it's still 
like exactly where you need to be. So, um, you know, like you, like this happened with, with, with Tim and, and this, this amazing organic experience of just going to this concert and saying yes. And, and you don't know what the universe is or God is going to gift you if you're constantly closed off and so firm in what you want, where you're not even open to the possibilities of what could be. Nice. Very well put. I agree with you. Uh, it's funny you say that too, because we were actually supposed to play that show, the a band that I was in pr prior, and uh, one of the members of our band had forgotten that he was going to be out of town, so we had to like last minute cancel it. So I went to the show anyway to go support the other bands that were playing, you know, because they're friends of ours, and that, it's it's really funny how that this all ended up. So having said that. Now that brings a really good point, and I told you like I'm super free form. Like I, I like because when Love. people when people talk, it puts ideas in my head about you know like conversation wise. Yeah. So you just mentioned like believing in God. What's your take on this? So I have a take on it. It's and just to keep it short and simple, so to allow you more time to speak on this. Um, I believe that, and this isn't my whole thing, but this is a large part of it. I believe that. I am God. I believe that you are God. I believe that everybody is God in our inside of us. We are God. And if our energies collectively, that creates the one being of God. What's your take on that? Do you believe more in a, in a traditional religious style or do you believe more along the lines of where I'm at? Yeah. Well, I was born to a Muslim mother, Tatar family in Central Asia. So I'm half Asian. You can't see on my face, but I'm also a mutt. Um, and then to a Russian Orthodox father. But I've also been Mormon and Pentecostal and Lutheran and every single thing. And I no longer believe in this concept of this man in the sky that's, you know, judging us. No, I do believe exactly what you're saying, that that I am God and you're God and we're all God. And we all have the, this incredible capacity to, to create and I've seen that, you know, um, I've called, I've had what they, what they call psychotic experiences or mania where that I, I can only attribute to a form of enlightenment because the ego collapses so entirely. All that's left is oneness, this intimate knowledge that we are one and that we are divine and you're divine and everything. I'm just filled with so much love. And I look into a dog's eyes and I can't differentiate where I end and the dog begins. Not because I've forgotten that I'm Xenia, but because I know that we're, we're all one. And we're all God. Do you have a good relationship with animals? I do, yeah. Okay, I, I have do my too. little here. Oh, nice. <laughs> He's sleeping. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I do too. That And to me, that's kind of a sign of that. For some reason, um, like at, at my home, we have a dog and she's she's a chucklehead, but I love her. But she's very sweet, very, very nice. Tim's dog, you know, loves me. It's, it's really weird. Dogs, I, I'm allergic to cats. I have a friend who's got two cats and I can't get them away from me. It's really weird. So... Yeah. But so do you think that there's something to that with, you know, for instance, like, you know, I don't know how we know this, but we know this. Apparently animals can see things that humans can't. Is that mm -hmm. is there something to that? So when it comes to relationships with animals, um, what is it that they're seeing when they show us the kind I guess love if you will or the attention that they show or the companionship or what what is there something to that that's more spiritual yeah well I love that dog is God spelled backwards yeah 
And I've had I've had beautiful experiences of meeting God in the form of a dog and realizing, hey, everything is God. Here's this beautiful dog giving me love, and it's the same thing as God giving me love because it's all one. So I think the unit. I think dogs are especially, um, you know, gentle and they're innocent and they just want to love. So they are. They have a very godlike consciousness, and so they're attracted to uh, an energetic being that is also vibrating at a similar capacity and i and I, I look at you jimmy and i know you've done a lot of work on yourself you've done a lot of work to to be better and to rise above and to to increase your what the boo-boos call that your vibration and and come at it from a place of love and light and joy um rather than the, you know the lower vibration emotions of hatred and fear and you know lack of forgiveness and whatever else so i think that's there's a lot to be said about that it's you know there <laughs> thank you like attracts like and so they in your energy <laughs> yeah i get that well you know one thing i think that i found um because i it i spent a lot of years not i was as you were saying that too that brought me another another question because i'm very interested in this topic uh, i spent a lot of years not i i don't know i don't know how to explain it but i spent a lot of dark years let's just put it that way my 20s were i used to drink a lot and like you know like i told you when when i went to college and the drug thing i got over that and then it was like alcohol was there you know like and again, choices. I, I always say this, like all the bad things. We talked the other day on the phone. I shared a little bit about some of the things that have happened over the last 10 years of my life. They were my choices. And I told you this specifically. That was, I put myself in those positions. It's, and no matter what happened, you know, and that's a tale for another time. Um, I was responsible for the choices that I made. So, you know, one of the biggest things that's helped me, I can tell you right now, is I just completely cut alcohol out of my life. Completely. Um the vibration thing now explain to me and to everybody else because you seem very knowledgeable about this a lot more than i am uh what exactly that is you know this this concept of your frequencies and your vibrations your your aura if you will these these different terms that all kind of mean you know similar things explain to people kind of how that works i guess Everything's frequency. Everything is vibration. And even physics says, you know, all matter is just vibrating at a different speed. So, um, so, so when we talk about vibration, when it comes to energy work, it really is like you can, I mean, you have been around people that just give you bad vibes. Mm -hmm. That's are, you know, are really in their suffering and that react in kind, you know, if you don't heal, you know, who, you know, the wounds, from who cut you, you'll bleed all over people that had nothing to do with you bleeding in the first place. So, um, so working on, you know, going into that shadow side, working on those those issues, and 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 consistently trying to become happier, is trying to become more loving, trying to become more charitable and more giving and more positive, will is attractive. You know, that's why a smile can is contagious. You know, we we're attracted to that. But we're repulsed by energy that is dark and that, you know, is is you no know, negative. So so we feel it. There's so much more about the the body and about the mind that we don't even comprehend. You know, it's not just the five senses. How often have you felt, you know, the hair in the back of your neck stand up and you sense someone behind you, but you didn't see them. You didn't, I mean, that's an energetic exchange. And there's a, a company called HeartMath and they study the impact of our heart energy on another person and how hearts synchronize. And that is a vibratory energy, you know, and how we, 
we even can communicate and the CIA has done a lot of this work and there's a lot of, you know, um, interest in psychic phenomena. And it's interesting that you say this too, because personally, um, I, I believe in, in psychic phenomenon because I've had prophetic dreams. I was able to save my mom's life because of a dream. I was, my mom knows, knew when her grandmother, her mother, excuse me, would have heart problems or when my cousin got divorced. And that's, you know, a lot of that is just energy. It's just this communication that is beyond anything that we can even comprehend, but that is sensed rather than necessarily known. And we get it through dreams. So there's so much out there that we can't comprehend, but being open and being receptive and being liquid to it actually can really improve our lives. So, you know. Yeah, I do. I, I'm totally on board with that. That brings me to a very interesting point that you, you, you now mentioned the heart because I, I've just, I read a lot. Like, you know, like I've told you a few times, like I'm like, I'm a big nerd. Like I'm reading, like I'm studying. I'm, it's kind of like the thing, like I'll, I have to bring the Facebook thing up. Facebook. I love Facebook. That's why this is called sorry about your feelings. Cause people like their feelings, feelings aren't facts. Don't care about your feelings. You know, <laughs> right. like I love Ben Shapiro. That guy's great. Like people want to talk mad shit about this dude. <laughs> But I'd love to see. I would love to see anybody who talks shit about him try to debate him on something, because he'd mop the floor with him. Except the WAP thing. That was. Oh, I was like, oh Ben. What's the WAP thing? I don't know. Is that it's that Cardi B thing? Yeah, and he tweeted something about his doctor wife saying any any time she's any she has any sort of wetness down there, it's it's related to some sort of vaginal like non normative issue like vaginal diarrhea. Or something. She said that about Cardi B. He said that he tweeted it out saying that it's not normal. Or it's not natural for women to get to have that, you know, what ass pussy that Cardi B was. Oh, OK. I'm fine. I, I listened to lots of Slayer. I'm sorry. I, don't, I only know who Cardi B is, is because we were watching. We were sitting on the couch at the house the other night and we we're watching the uh, Democratic National Convention. And apparently they interviewed her like she has something intelligent wow. to say about politics. I don't know. But that's funny. But so here's here's my my gig with this. So I just I had to bring the Facebook thing up because I'm not a doctor. I just can do math. It's and it's related to the COVID thing is why I'm bringing this up. So social distancing, which uh, we agree across the board, especially at my home, like we agree, you know, with my family, we agree that social distancing is a terrible, terrible term. Uh, physical dis distancing would be a much better term. Um, I just recently read something that was, or came across, I can't remember if I read it in an article or if I came across it on, on a video I was watching on YouTube or something. Uh, the six foot thing, right, is, is directly uh, targeting that heart energy. I posted that, yes. Was that you that yes. posted that? Yeah, I posted oh, okay. it, yeah. All yeah. about how our, our 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 energetic field is measurable for six feet, which is why it's interesting. We are buried six feet under, you know, and and that's and and so when and even heart math has 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 noted, you know, have they've studied it scientifically and they measure the six feet distance. You can't really sense the energy. Um, I think you can within families, like my family, and we're especially, you know, we're we're all connected in some some different way but so it's it's really like terrifying to me 
because we're no longer able to read the other person because of the social distancing. We're no longer able to, you know, ascertain whether it's friend or foe by these, you know, spiny senses that are so much more than what our brain can think. It's just, just a sense. And that's part of it's It's because of our, 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 our energetic field, our magnetism. We are all, you know, just we're constantly this alive, vibrating creature and it's measured. So, um, and, and with the masks as well, you can no longer read people's facial expressions. You can no longer read whether they're, they're prone to smile quickly or prone to frown. So I'm concerned that there, there's going to be a really big impact on, on our social construct, but also on how safe we are as a society, how safe women are in being able to, you know, read whether someone is nef has nefarious intentions or not, which is a very intuitive sense. And um, that comes with like not being socially distant. And as it's interesting, my my um, my health consultancy is called Kisheel, Kisinya, Kisinya. Um, I want to kiss the world whole. And the very first blog article I wrote at the end of last year was why kiss? Why is it important for us to share affection and touch with each other? The average American is hugged five times or touched five times a day. Everyone outside average is probably 23 times. So we already had um, a very big deficit in the amount of touch and hugging releases oxytocin. Touch is proven to you know, decrease co um, cortisol and the stress hormone and, um, and increase, you know, improve our serotonin levels and make us happier. So everything that I see going on right now with COVID seems to me to do the complete antithesis of actually fighting and bolstering our immune system. We are lonelier, we're more isolated. We have this inability to resonate with the other, to have our hearts linked up, to share this really intimate connection that is vital to us. We are social creatures. We're not meant to live in caves alone. You know, we're, we're primates, we're, we're meant to thrive. And so it's, it's so damaging, masks and the oxygen deprivation, the masks and what it does to our children and, 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 and they're not able to see the emotional mirroring of their parent. And if you're you know, younger than three years old, um, I did this, this workshop with a psychiatrist. He said, it is so vital that everything you do in those first three years is everything your child gives you emotionally is mirrored in your face. You know that he asks us, "What is your, what is your, what do your faces look like when when your child runs into the room? Into the room, what do your faces look like when you're changing that diaper?" So before kids are are verbal, they require us to mirror their emotions with our expressions. So if we are completely shut off, then we are damaging these children forever developmentally. You know, which is and and the lack of touch too. You know, kids in 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 um orphanages that aren't touched enough will die, will completely just die out of, and they've done studies on this in Romanian orphanages, orphanages and elsewhere. So it's so harmful. It's just so harmful. And as a healer, I just want to scream it from the rooftops. Is the cure worth the disease? Is the cure going to kill us, damage us, completely damage our social fabric way faster than anything that COVID could do that has its 0.05% mortality, 0.02% mortality rate, whatever it is, it is so low, it can't even qualify as a pandemic. 
interesting point. I've I also came across some information that that said that. So, from if I recall correctly, the last statistic I saw. Oh, speaking of which, I wanted to ask somebody this question. I'm really bad on the computer. I do everything from my phone. So, like, if I can't figure it out within ten seconds, like, I just like I just ask a fifteen year old because um, we have one at home, and I'm just like, dude, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Figure this out. And he's, you know, they're that age. They grew up with the tech. We didn't. Like, you know, I'm an '80s kid. Uh, I'm really curious to know how many people died in just in just the United States. My first question is the United States, and then I'll get to the world. But I'm really curious to know how many people died in total in 2019, from January to August. And I'm really curious to know how many people died in 2020 from January to August. So I came across a very interesting statistic in the state of Idaho. Um, and I'm, my numbers are rounded because I don't remember the exact numbers. This was a few weeks ago. Again, like I didn't even realize that that was your post that I had read about the heart uh, energy field. You know, because I read so much stuff. it's Sometimes it's hard to, to separate them all out in my head. But it was something like in 2018 from January to June – in the state of Idaho, 7,500 or so people died. In 2019, from January to June, 72 or 7,300 people died. Yeah. And then in January to June of this year, like 7,050 people died from January to June. So in 2018 and 2019, more people died minus a pandemic than during yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. That is what's so is so asinine to me is nobody these up uh, these numbers are factual. These statistics are out there. And yet it's a conspiracy for us to just point out this absurd, absurd reality that, hey, if you didn't have the media telling you there was a pandemic and a fucking mask on, you wouldn't even know anything was going on. There are no bodies in the streets. Why are the homeless not dying? Thank you. At you know, why aren't we just having bodies and upon bodies in all of our parks when they don't socially isolate? They don't wear masks. They don't wash their hands. They're not they sanitary. Share, they share bongs. They share what food. They share everything. Right. And they be eating particularly healthy or hydrating. So how come they're not dying? That's a great question. I've I've asked that question too. Yeah. And again, I you know I always have to bring up like. I, Obviously, social media is a big deal. You get to talk to people. I've been connecting with people I haven't seen in 20 years from high school on this. Uh, so I love social media. Why is it, do you think, in your opinion, that all these people are freaking out so bad? And then, again, when you brought the great word up, the conspiracy theory, you bring that. So here, here's a little tidbit. I don't know if you saw this, but I, I posted this on, on my, my page on Facebook about the schools in Idaho. So this year they got $86 million for their budget directly for COVID, directly. So I've lived in Boise now for 20 years and my sister-in-law is, a, my brother's wife is a teacher um, here. The whole time I've been here, she's been a teacher here. And uh, after they got married and moved here um, and the school budgets to the best of my knowledge now and again i don't i, I can't say this is 100 percent true but i know that to my knowledge um in the 20 years i've been here the school budgets have been diminished pretty substantially yes. over 20 yes. years yes right so 
they gave $86 million, and I believe the feds gave the money to the state. And it's a very rural state. Idaho is very rural. Most of the school districts, you know, like we have a few big cities like Boise and Idaho Falls. Um, I, Twin Falls is kind of big. Pocatello, Nampa has grown. But they allocated $86 million for all this COVID stuff. $48 million of it uh, was for tech, so like tablets for the kids. Uh, internet for students that don't have it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of this stuff was allocated for testing of teachers and plexiglass and the desks and this and that and the other. So w- what do you feel are the social implications or even the economic implications of spending all this money? They're, they're declining our school or they're, they're lowering our school budgets every year, you know, on average. But now all of a sudden they have all this extra money and they're spending it solely for COVID. I mean, if there's not enough money to to nurture the next generation of minds, but now there's suddenly enough money for this absurd illness that isn't even very lethal. I mean, what is it? It must be for another reason, you know, and I think it is social constructing. It is social design. They want to start these kids from a very young age to feel traumatized, to be disconnected to each other, to not have the right social skills, to, to be afraid of their you know, their peers, to be afraid of germs, to live in this like very tiny bubble where they will never ever break out of that fear and rise up against the state. You know, it is, I think it's 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 just and it it decreases their immunity too, because one, like all of these chemicals being sprayed, like how many the FDA has recalled how many hand sanitizers after they've been on the market for how long? People dousing them many, many times a day on the forcing their little kids. I mean, skin is our, our is an organ. It's a very porous organ. It's very important what you put on the skin. And they've proven that when you touch a hand sanitizer and then you touch a receipt, which is coated with BPA, that BPA goes directly into your blood system quicker. And so they have rates of like 150 times more BPA in their system if they just touch, you know, sanita- sanitizer and a receipt. Wow, I did not know that about the receipts. Yeah. I know they took yeah. the BPA out of the plastics in like cups and Tupperware and yeah. things like that. The coating that makes the receipts so shiny. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So that's a great point you just brought up. So a lot of people, and again, like, you know, you deal with this, the skin being an organ, it absorbs everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know. I would eat on my body. Say that, coconut. say that again. I only put natural things that I would eat on my body. Coconut oil. Coconut oil. Got you. Okay. I mean, I never, you know, I just. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So that actually there's kind of, I have two other people in the room right now. And, and so it was like, Hey, we, coconut oil. Like, and that's not the first time I've heard somebody say that coconut oil is amazing. Yeah. Um, for- yeah. yeah, it really is. It's amazing stuff. I, I actually tell a lot, you know, people like olive oil, extra virgin olive oil is actually really good for your skin. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I make my own facial oils that are using, you know, nice. with all these oils from all over and, and things and myrrh so I can feel like Jesus. <laughs> right. On. Well, oil is the thing that keeps your, your skin young. You exactly. Know? Like, and, you know, you know, bring my mother into this on her side. She just turned 69 the other yesterday. Uh, 
she's very proud of this. It's my mom. It's whatever she is. And she tells me on the phone, she says, well, the people think that I'm, that I'm 50 years old and I'm, I'm going to be 70 next year, son. And, you know, and I'm like, mom, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, but she has great genes, you know, for that. So the, and I, I, luckily I inherited that from her as far as like, cause I, she still gets pimples. It's amazing. 69 years old and she gets pimples. Wow. Yeah. So that's a very important thing. A lot of people aren't really in tune with that kind of thing. So I wanted to share with you. So leaving all names out of this, I have a I have a gig. Um, I'll, I'll share you know exactly what it is with you like like privately because I don't like even though this is gonna probably air after I go to this thing. I it's a union job, so oh. I had to take a COVID test today. Yeah. Um. They wanted me to go to a place, an organization that's local to here. It's called, uh, I think they're called like Crush the Curve or something. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a like organization for the workforce in Boise. Anyway, they wanted to do, and we talked about this the other day on the phone. They wanted to do the OP swab, which is like, I think it's about that long. Does that look about right? Right. And remember the blood brain barrier thing. Yeah. Right. So exactly. I, I was a hundred percent once I, I got told, you know, yesterday, like, hey, we need you to go into this place tomorrow. And I said, are they going to do the saliva test, blood test, or that big giant swab thing? And they're like, the big giant swab. And I was like, nope, not happening. And so I've broken my nose probably, I don't know, six or seven times, sports. I have a deviated septum in the first place, which is a problem. Like, I can feel it right here, you know, this the cartilage. So I was like, well, is there another place I can go do this? I almost got fired from the gig because of this. Well, so I, I get online. I had a friend of mine look up for me. Walgreens uh, does drive through test. Okay. So you get online, you register, you do the test. I get one rant to show. So this is my little rant that I, that I get. So I, I get online, register for the test. They send you a confirmation email. And in this, they say, bring your ID. It's free. And it's free. The test is free. So you bring your ID, you bring your confirmation email on your smartphone, obviously, or, you know, if you have a laptop, I guess, whatever. Uh, you go to the drive-thru little thing, tell them your name. So I went to the thing, told them my name, and, oh, yeah, we got you right here. Pulled up to the thing, we pull up to the thing, and I'm in the passenger seat, so he comes around the thing, and uh, they give me this little packet. And I actually had, I brought it with me, because I, I thought it, this, this was really cool. So in this little packet, whoops. So in this little packet, there's a tube and it's got some liquid in it, right? And it's done from a, a lab here locally. And then there's another plastic bag in it that's, or this thing right here, it's got a foam swab, right? So for the people at home to yeah. see this, it comes with this foam swab right here. So you open this swab up and all you have to do is three circles in your nostril. You start on one and then move to the next one. So you do both nostrils, but they just require a minimum of three circles around the nostril, not all the way up into your nasal cavity, and then hit the other one. Then you take the swab, put it in the in the uh, uh, little tube, put the lid on. There's some I don't know what the liquid inside of it is, but the tube is probably about that yay big, right? Put it in, and then you put it on the guy's cart, and you're done. Yeah. That was it. So. Like, my next-door neighbor could have went and took the test for me, right? Yeah. Just saying. They didn't even check, like, my ID. They didn't check my confirmation email. Wow. Yeah. And I actually saved myself. I And like I said, I almost got fired from this from this job. And, you know, basically, like, like you know, it's a, it's a 
you know, I'm a, I do the fitness modeling and acting things. So it's, it's in that arena of work that I, you know, that how I make, make money and it's a big payday. But I told my agent, I literally told her, I said, listen, there's not an amount of money you can pay me. I said, you could offer me $5 million right now. And I still ain't taking the OP swab, ain't doing it. And she, at first it took her aback because I'm already booked for the gig. Right. And she finally, like, she calmed down about it. It was like, well, whatever you're comfortable with and, you know, your health is important. And, and I was like, you know, this is a serious health concern of mine. What's your take? And so the reason that I'm sharing that and, and my rant's short on that. So I just wanted to share that with you because it's hilarious. What's your take on that OP test the, with that long swab? Well, you, you said it exactly right. It just seems like to me, I mean, and I'm not a doctor, so. Me neither. But it, 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 it gets awfully close to your brain and like that it would perforate the blood brain barrier in a way that's damaging. I just don't understand the necessity. And, you know, with how many of those tests, like, they don't even know what they're testing for. If half tests, half of the tests are, are false positives, or in Florida, 100% of the tests that results came back as positive, or nurses are sending in swabs with saline solution, and they're coming out as positives, or, you know, the, 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 the leader in Africa tested a pineapple or a papaya or something, and it came out as positive. You know, it's just like so many, so many things are, are just don't make sense with this test. Why must you shove this big stick in? And it's painful and it's an invasion. It feels like a rape of like a rape of the state against your very bodily autonomy and the name of, of safety. And wasn't it Ben Franklin that said anyone who gives up uh, what safety for security don't deserve either or something something yeah i can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head but it was something like that yeah i mean we're just it just oh so, this brings, the, the response to covid makes my blood boil it just gets <laughs> me so riled up because it makes no rational sense to me and yet me questioning it gets me so much visceral hatred and i'm told grandma killer <laughs> wow oh wow well and you know you know what's funny is we haven't worn a mask this entire time yeah right? so my family we don't we don't do the masking we're not on board with it either yeah. and i'm gonna tell you right now uh when i go to this gig because this gig's coming up in the beginning of next week i have to wear a mask while i'm there and so I got the text from my agent. She's like, hey, how are you on the mask thing? So my response was, I texted her back. I said, I won't wear one, but I said, for what they're paying me, I was like, I can put up with it for about five hours if I have to. Yeah. You know, I, it, it, essentially, and I've been anti on this thing, and a, lot of, and a lot of people will watch this and be like, oh, I told you because you've been anti-mask, but now you're wearing one. Well, check it out, dude. If you're getting paid what I'm getting paid to do this, you'd wear one too. I mean, it's for work. Like, and I'm, yep. I'm not going to forego a, a payday, you know, mm -hmm. I'm being self-employed, you know, like my pretty much my whole adult life. And I'm not going to forego that over a, an ideal because here's the thing. It's for a very short period of time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jimmy, I had like, um, I, I got, um, just a little gig. I was helping out a friend doing security for a bar, um, making a little bit of money now that, um, over economically a lot, I think a lot of us. So, um, so I was, you know, I, I, 
I had to wear this mask for 10 full hours and I was only paid something like $13 an hour. And, and, you know, pretty much within like 20 minutes in, I started having my very first panic attack of my life. And I've, I have trauma being suffocated and, um, and choked and, um, in situations where I felt I was very, very vulnerable. And so I have a lot of trauma of being oxygen deprived. So thinking of this mask over my face, like for the next 10 hours, like brought all this trauma that I hadn't even thought of for a really long time. And I started crying in the middle of work and I never cry. I'm not a prima donna. I don't like, you know, make a big deal. I will do my job even if it kills me. But this, I, it just wasn't worth it for me for $13 an hour to psychologically re-traumatize myself. And, you know, and so I think that's what we need to understand about this masks is we don't know someone's story. We can't look at their body and say, oh, you can wear a mask, put it on. You're just being a, a baby and, you, you know, and, and whatever. It's no, we don't even know. And so we have to be kind to each other. Like in, invite yourself to like, just be gentle with each other. And it is, doesn't mean just because you're not masking doesn't mean you want grandma to die. That is an absurd <laughs> false equation. So, you know, I, I don't. And that's the funny thing too. Is I haven't masked this whole time. I haven't gotten COVID. All my hippie friends, we gather together on occasion. We, you know, don't mask. We hug because it's our life depends on it. We don't get COVID. And, you know, months ago, the, the, the Democrats were saying, oh, all of these people at this... Utah Business Revival Rally, they're all, you're all going to die and it's going to be, you know, it's going to serve you right. And I'm like, I just want to say, hey, like, am I dead yet? <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of my point with, you know, bringing this up because like, well, for instance, like the union, basically, like I said, it's a union job. And through this job, I become union. So yeah. which is it's a big deal because it opens up a lot of doors. Um, but that's the rules of it. And it's and like I said, like I was and I, I said flat out, I was like, I have no problem testing. It's just that you're not doing that one. It's that one that's not happening. And I know there's other ones. Say, say that again. Good for you for standing up for yourself. Oh, thanks. Well, I mean, just it, it really boils down to this. Like, I think you said it a few minutes ago when you're like is the what would, what did you say is the the cure worth the disease yeah right so to yeah. to test for this i've literally watched people do these tests and i think that and i honestly think like you know there's the i will say this there was a conspiracy theory because uh, this is totally a conspiracy theory about getting microchipped while they were doing it oh yeah have you heard that one Oh, I haven't heard that, but it's totally plausible. I, I'll believe anything at this point. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's plausible. I kind of think that one's a little far-fetched. But... A little far-fetched, but we don't even know. We, that's right. the thing is we don't know what they could be doing to us. Correct. I think this, though, is, and especially after our, our telephone conversation the other day when we talked about this, yeah. I really think that the piercing of that brain-blood barrier there, I mm -hmm. think they're trying to cause you know, I think it's a it's a way to cause brain damage now. And, and I'm not a doctor and I can't prove this. And it's, this is just my my this is my opinion. This piece of information I'm sharing right now. This is totally my opinion. I believe they're they're causing some sort of brain damage in people and people aren't even aware of it. And I don't think the effects are immediate. No. And that's the thing is, is how often have you seen strokes linked to the, the virus these days? You know, and they're saying it's a symptom of COVID, but how do we not know if it's a symptom of actually getting tested to make sure you got the COVID in the first place? Right. 
That's a great point. That's what I'm saying. Well, think about it like this, too. You know, like, it's kind of funny. We've kind of talked about COVID a lot today. I mean, it's a pretty hot topic. But I've had pneumonia several times. When I was a baby, I almost died. I got pneumonia, like, according to my dad, like three times before I was one. And Uh, I was in an incubator. Say that again. I, I, me too. I wasn't in a, a second day out of the hospital. I was I had to go back in the incubator. In the incubator, yeah. So what happens when you get pneumonia? You get fluid build up in your lungs, right? That's pneumonia. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happens when you get COVID? Don't you get fluid build up in the lungs? Yeah. Okay. So having said that, coronavirus is an umbrella term that's been around forever for a family of viruses, influenza, HR or H1N1 at SARS, COVID, the common cold, right? The common cold. So doesn't it make sense that this is just really just pneumonia? Exactly. So why is everybody freaking out? Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, and again, you know, I can't sit here and say unequivocally that that's a hundred percent fact that that COVID is pneumonia. That's not what I'm saying, people. All I'm saying is that the symptoms of pneumonia and the symptoms of COVID are virtually the same. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, do I have that correct or am I wrong? You're, yeah, you're okay. exactly right. Exactly right. And it just doesn't warrant. You know, I was very, very sick this fall. I swear I probably had COVID. I got a lot of, you know, I, I know a lot of peers that were very, very sick, but we got sick and then we moved on. Right. And then we, you know, and it wasn't, it just, just doesn't warrant all of this fallout. It right. Really, well, statistically. Also, I mean, there's, it's completely plausible that it was created in a lab, you know, in Wuhan too. And it's something that is completely, you know, geoengineered to do something to at least have pretense for this political reaction true well one thing i do know i i can't like i'm kind of on the fence of whether it was engineered or not i that i don't don't know know. but no i don't yeah i can tell you this it was patented coronavirus itself was patented november 20th of 2018 yes so i know yeah and the entity that patented is is very close to gates more than likely See, and that yeah. I don't know, like, you know what I mean? But I, I, I have come across that information. And again, this, it's one of those things where people will be like, well, yeah, you're just spreading false information. But like, you can look this shit up. Yeah, you exactly. Can, you can look at the freaking patent office and there's like, I literally have it on my phone. You know, again, I do everything off my phone because, hey, don't you just love how com- your phones are computers these days? By, I mean, that's another animal. I'm talking to you on my phone. Oh, perfect. Wild. Yeah, Lady Gaga shot a music video on her new iPhone one time. You know, like, everybody loves Lady Gaga, right? Brave New World. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a great book, by the way. But does let me ask you this. Have you ever read uh, uh, 1984, George Orwell? Yes. Does this not? Yes. Exactly it all being played out right now. Does yeah. this not remind you of 1984? Exactly. And that's what I say is, you know, a strong state must have an equally stronger enemy in order to keep the pe- people together and fear-based so that they can control them. And there's right. nothing scarier than an invisible enemy, this virus that nobody understands, that they're confusing the fuck out of us. Like One day asymptomatics can pass it, next day asymptomatics can't. One day you can pass it on by touching surfaces, the next day you can't. Surgeon General says masks aren't eff- efficacious, and he says he can't. I mean, it's all just meant to freaking, you know, just make us afraid of this demon that we can't, we have no idea, and when we're confused as fuck, that's when we're like, 
terrified even more. And that's when we consume the information, consume the media and try to find out more and more and more and more and more and feed this very big beast that is making a shit ton of money. All the billionaires have seen their holdings skyrocket during this time. Everyone from Bezos to Gates to Zuckerberg. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I just, it's just interesting to me. And, And again, you know, like I reference these things a lot with people because like it's it's really funny to me they're like well it's fiction and i go yeah it's fiction but like if you read the book like oceana was always at war with either east asia or eurasia you never knew who it was going to be depending on the day winston smith's job was to destroy records Uh and the outer party he was the outer party the inner party sent the outer party their their work they're the proles right and then the video screens the video tellies where him and the Surveilled. What is contact tracing but constant surveillance? There you go. Well, you know what's funny here in Boise. Just to give you a little, a little funny anecdotal story, the they they did four stages of reopening. Okay, after the lockdown, which we didn't lock down at all. We just did the same shit we always do. We hug our yeah. friends and we hang out and we went to band rehearsal and we did the whole bit. Yeah. So they had the bars open for what, like a week, probably, yeah. and they pinpointed that there was four specific people that went to six specific bars downtown Boise because that's where all the the bar scene is right they have a bar scene here in the downtown area um and it's like well if you've trained and so then they they close everything back they they roll this back to stage three again here's here's my yeah they did that in Salt Lake yeah okay so here's my question how did you how did you know that these four specific people, two of which were probable, two of which were positive, and then they went to these six specific places? How the fuck do you know? And, and again, I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking a question. Right? Yeah. How do you know that it was these four people, and how do you know it was these six places? So if if you know for a fact, like, how do you know that? That it was four specific people. How do you know who they are? It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to me. Right. And if you can track down, uh, you know, uh, the infection that acutely, why can't you track down the all these pedophiles and these human <laughs> traps? You know, if you are that good at knowing where anyone is at one time, why aren't you doing this? To really fight the darkness. Exactly. Well, and you know what? That's that's funny that you just mentioned that. I've kind of stayed away from that because I think that would take like forty-seven years to talk about all that. Because there's that's a whole another ball game. The whole yeah. trafficking yeah. stuff. And I know yeah. that you talked about your work in Montana with the with yeah. the trafficking and stuff. So <laughs> check this out, Ksenia. Um So I think we're pretty good for the first time. We've been at this for an hour and thirty-seven minutes and twelve seconds. So make me a promise, though, and you can't break promises if you make them to me. Uh, we have to do this again sometime. Um, cool. Awesome. I'm totally down with that. Totally. I promise. Yeah, totally. Well, because there's a, there's a, lot, there's a lot of other topics that actually I, I think you would have really good insights on. So tell everybody um, how they can uh, find you, you know, either through your websites for what you do for your businesses or through social media or, you know, however you want people to find out about you and, and to maybe contact you and try to learn more about your work. 
Yes. Um, you can add me as a friend on Facebook under my name, which will be um, linked to this podcast. Uh, also, my website, kissheal.com, which is um, my my health coaching, my, my healing company, where I work intimately with people over a three-month process to completely revolutionize and make over their health, mind, body, and spirit. And also, I'm writing a series of books, and I will be launching a website under Kissing the World Whole um, very soon. And I'm writing a uh, fiction memoir hybrid that... Um, you know, I'm writing about as we speak with this, this, this new paradigm um, is, is going in the books. And I think it, it can be really interesting. It's re-envisioning our concepts of mental health and wellness, as well as um, our understanding of mythology, our understanding of the God within. And I think it, it might be interesting. Very cool. I'm super interested. So, and like I said, you know, like we definitely need to talk again because like I, I, I purposely steered away from the whole trafficking and all that stuff. Cause I, that shit just gets crazy. <laughs> Say that again. The can of worms. We're going to be here for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's like, that's one of these things where it's just like, like we've literally seen so much information on this that mm -hmm. like, I can sit here and tell you some shit that it sounds completely, it's so bizarre that it, it's, you know how that, that, that phrase that fiction has to make sense. Truth is stranger than fiction. There yeah. you go. Right. Yeah. Same, same phrase. We've seen so much on this. It's, it's insane. So that's another one, but I think, you know, um, it's really good what we did talk about with, you know, kind of the healing and the, and the God things and the, and the, yeah. the COVID and all these things. Um, and obviously like, you know, like I forgot to tell everybody kind of how we got connected to one another was the fact that you had made a post on Facebook and someone was just being an asshole, like just attacking you and being really, really vicious in their attack. And I kind of just stepped in and was like, listen here, motherfucker. And I did, and I did it really nicely though. You know, I don't, I don't even remember what I said or, or what the post was about, but I, I got on there and just kind of like, well, I, and I hit him. What I did was I hit him with some facts and they couldn't respond to it. Thank you for that, Jimmy. Thank you yeah. for standing up. We all need to stand up for each other a lot more right now. Cause there is, totally. there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness going on and we just, the only way forward is us coming together to really take care of each other on you know, this God-like way in a truly God-like way. Agreed. Very much so. But I just, I, I thought that was really funny. So, but here we are. So, um, basically to everyone listening at home and I have to give me, give me the chance to say this. So Kasinya is your first name. Kanazeva mm -hmm. is your last Knazav. name. Kanazeva. Mm -hmm. It's Kanazeva. Like oh. never Knezer, but Kanazeva. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm from Wisconsin now, Kanazava. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, but you are, and as I introduced you in the beginning, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you at the end. So you're a healer, an author, an activist, an entrepreneur, and a model. And I thank you so much for being on this uh, show with me today. And again, this is the first one that I've ever done. Like you know, as like the guy that gets to have the mic, which is really cool. Um, I really appreciate it. This has been a, an absolute blast. And uh, once I hit stop uh, recording, don't go anywhere because I talk to you real fast. Okay, but, perfect. So, Jimmy, yes, ma'am. You look like a pro. You couldn't even tell that this is your first episode. Oh, thanks. Keep, keep it up. You know, keep speaking truth to power. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for this edifying conversation. I had a blast, and I can't wait to do it again. Awesome. So did I. I really appreciate it. And for everybody listening out there, you know, sorry about your feelings. 
but we just had a pretty long conversation in the in the safe space and if you need one of those well it's not here even though this place literally is called the safe space but uh we'll see y'all next time and remember neither one of us is a doctor (laughs) (laughs) oh also and while i'm here make sure you subscribe channel 99 studios on youtube uh channel 99 studios on facebook uh you can find our producer my good friend tim meyer m-e-y-e-r uh, is the head honcho around this place. This is his studio. It's his his production. And uh, obviously I want to say thank you to him for letting me, giving me the opportunity and giving us this opportunity to have this great conversation. So until we see you next time, party peeps.